It's good to be here in God's house. We welcome everybody in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, if you turn to Acts chapter 7, then we're going over into Exodus chapter 3. Acts chapter 7, then over into Exodus chapter 3. And uh, we'll finish just after this morning and last Sunday morning. We were just looking at these scriptures. And tonight uh, we'll finish off just in this uh, three-part message just on where we're looking at. And you know, I just encourage everyone tonight, and I know there's a lot of visitors in, but I just encourage you tonight that you just open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit, allow the Lord to speak to you. And he will. If you're here tonight, I believe you're here to meet with God. You're here. You want your life to be changed by God. And I know God is able to meet every person in this room afresh, regardless of who we are or where we're from, irrespective. God's no respecter of persons. He's come into the world to save all men. You need a touch, as we've heard in that prayer. I believe God's heard that cry. God will answer that cry tonight in this place. Last week, we looked at when the promise draws near. And uh, we looked at what's happening, just so that you know, in the context of where we're going tonight, uh, when the promise draws near, when God has made a promise in his word, and when that promise comes near, you'll find that there's great change takes place in the earth. And we're seeing great change take place in our planet at this time. The reason why we're seeing great change is because the promise of his coming is very near. And so when we look at the scripture here, uh, Moses the man of God, that he was the mediator in that old covenant. But as that promise was drawn near, we see that there was a great change politically. There was a change economically. There was a change socially. But most importantly, there was a change taking place spiritually. All of that comes out of the spiritual realm. And there's a spiritual realm in this room tonight. There's spiritual powers. There's spiritual darkness. There's the workings of all the spirits of this age and the dark and the prince of this world. But thank God, there's also the working of the Holy Spirit. And so we see the change that takes place as the promise was drawn near in the time of Moses. God was about to deliver His people, as God will deliver His church from this earth as we approach the promise. And then this morning we looked at that divine preparation that God does a work in preparing his people. God is a God of preparation. God is methodical in preparation and dealing with us. And for those that are saved in this room tonight, you understand that all over these years that there's been a dealing of God in your life. God has been working. There's been trials, disappointments, discouragements, follies, wilderness, mountaintops, all those things that have been taking place. But God is divinely preparing a people. There's a purpose in what God's doing. And that divine preparation is for a divine purpose. And here tonight, just lastly, we're going to talk about that divine encounter. And I pray we want a divine encounter tonight with Almighty God. And here we come to this well-known reading of God's Word. If you have a Bible, you can hear just as I read through it in, in Acts chapter 7. And verse 20, it says, in which time, sorry, verse 17, but when the time of the promise drew nigh, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt till another king arose. We see the change as the promises approaches, which knew not Joseph. The same dealt subtly with our kindred and evil entreated our fathers so that they cast out their young children to the end they may not live. In which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. We'll end the reading there just over into Exodus chapter 3. We know the story and the life of Moses. Forty years 
He was raised up in that Egyptian world. Then at the age of 40, we see that he came into his heart to visit his brethren. He understood something of the divine purpose of God to bring a deliverance to his people. But the timing was wrong. The method was wrong. And the vessel wasn't ready. But 40 years after that, at the age of 80, we see that the divine preparation of God had been fulfilled in his life. So now the time was right. And also the method was right. And most importantly, the vessel was ready for the divine purpose of God. But most importantly, for the divine purpose of God to be fulfilled, there must be a divine encounter. The Bible tells us it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. There's a way that God works, and it is by his spirit. Now in Exodus chapter 3, we come to God and this divine encounter. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1, he's an 80-year-old man. And now we see him at the backside of a desert. For 40 years, he, is, he had murdered a man. He, had, he went into the wilderness. He was on the run. He had served his father-in-law. He married a woman. And he had a, a flock of sheep to look after. He's 80 years old. 40 years, he's been in a wilderness. And now we see him here. And this divine encounter with the Lord in Exodus 3, verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert, came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said... I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when he saw, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. And we know the Lord will bless the reading of his word. A divine encounter, a divine purpose of God must also include the divine preparation. But for the purpose to be fulfilled, as I've already said, there must be a divine encounter. I simply put it to you tonight that some here that recognize the need right now, that they need to have an encounter with God. They need to meet with God. They're desperate for a touch of God in their lives. Maybe you're here tonight, you're not saved. Your life is broken and ruined. That you're ruined through sin and disappointments in this world. But you need to meet with God. You need an answer for your life. And in this story, we read of a divine encounter tonight. A divine encounter with Almighty God. And this day and this life of Moses, this particular moment was absolutely crucial for his life. I believe that Moses had lived 80 years for this day. This was the most important day of his life. That day when he had that encounter with Almighty God at that burning bush, an 80-year-old man, frail in his body, possibly tired and weary at the backside of a wilderness. 
But here this divine encounter is actually what he lived for. It was that meeting with God. Everything that had happened in his life, the sum total of his life, led him to the backside of a wilderness where he would have an encounter with the Almighty God. He lived for this. Can I tell you, friends, you can meet God tonight in this wee meeting. You can have an encounter with the Almighty God in this place tonight. And your life will never be the same again. The Bible says that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things pass away. Behold, everything becomes new. When you meet this Christ, when you meet God, when you have an encounter, not an encounter with church, not an encounter with religion, but an encounter with the Almighty God, your life will never be the same again. It's Paul being born again of the Spirit of the living God. This is not reformation, rehabilitation, or turning over a new leaf. But this is an encounter with the living God to be born again of the Spirit of God. This was crucial in the life of Moses, an encounter. It was critical for the purpose of God in his life and to be fulfilled in his life. Moses had to encounter the Almighty God. It's impossible to accomplish the purpose of God without an encounter and a divine empowerment of this God. Now the purpose was this. Why was God meeting Moses at the backside of a desert? What was the purpose in that? God doesn't do anything by chance. Can I tell you that tonight? You're not here by chance. You're here by the divine providence of Almighty God. And how you respond to God. God is speaking into your heart. Every life in this room, God's speaking to you. Not through, t- not by Tim McElrath, but through this vessel. God will speak into your heart tonight. The key in it is how you're going to respond. How you're going to react to what God is saying. Now here's the purpose. It's in Exodus chapter 2. If you have your Bible and verse 23, you'll find... Hear God's divine purpose. This is why he met this man Moses at the backside of the wilderness. Exodus 2.23 It came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel, God's people, sighed by reason of the bondage and they cried and their cry came up under God by reason of their bondage. God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect unto them. What is the divine purpose? We find it right here in Exodus chapter 2. This encounter at the backside of the wilderness with this man Moses was because of Exodus 2 and 23. It says that God heard the cry of his people. Here's a people, the Bible tells us in our reading here in Exodus 2, 23, it was the people that were in bondage. What does that mean? What does it mean for a person to be in bondage? The word bondage simply means to be a slave. Just to be a slave. A slave 
under that Egyptian empire, under the rulers and the powers of that Egyptian world, God's people were living in a place of slavery. Can I tell you tonight, friends, that everyone that's not saved in this meeting, I want you to know something because we know Because I know, and many in this room know, what it is not to be saved. To live in a world that that has turned its back on God. To live in a world of sin and brokenness. You're living as a slave to sin. Sin controls your life, whether it be through addictions. But you know, we've got smart today. We've got very clever today because we redefine what sin is. There was a woman once told me, just on this street here, that she is a kleptomaniac. I didn't know what that was. That simply means that someone that can't stop stealing. But we give it a fancy title. We call them something. We redefine what sin is. The Bible calls it stealing. And if we redefine sin, then we have to get a different answer for the problem. And so the world gives an answer for the problem. And the problem's never fixed. But let me tell you what it is, friends. It's sin. It's sin that's destroyed the world. It's sin that destroys our lives. It's sin that's destroyed our communities. And there is an answer for sin. And it's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're clever today. We redefine behavioral problems. We give them all a whole range of labels. Let me tell you, friends, today, I was a rogue when I was a wee fella running about. My mother took the slipper to me many times and brought me into line. You're all going to say not hard enough. But I know, friends, when that furry slipper come off, I had to make a beeline for it. But it was a behavioral problem. Thank God I met Jesus in 1993 and he changed my life by the power of his blood and he sets the prisoner free. So we don't deal with the issue or the cause that's in our lives. We call it something different. We try to blame someone else. And we may have come into this world in a dysfunctional home, a broken family. I tell you what that is, friends. It's sin. Sin destroys lives. Sin destroys homes. Sin destroys marriages. Sin destroys young people. It's a disease, but there's an answer for that disease. That's why Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood 2,000 years ago. And his blood still has the power to set the prisoner free. They're living in bondage. And God knows it. The addictions today. The breakdowns, the mental torment, everything that's going. Friends, it's because of sin. It's because of sin. Sin destroys life, our lives. Sin destroys us. You know, they say they have a disease today. They call it alcoholism. They say it's a disease. Well, friends, I know a lot about alcoholism in my own life. But let me tell you something. It wasn't a disease. It was sin. Listen to me, it was sin. So if we call it something different, no, we do. We offer someone a program and they go through that program and hopefully in some way they get dry and at the end of it they're still empty and they're still miserable because there's a void in their life and the void has been filled with sin, that is alcohol. But friends, the only way that void can be filled is a divine encounter with Jesus Christ. It's sin. And sin will take you to a lost eternity. Sin will take you to hell. 
And we can try to flour it up here, try to paint a different picture, try to go through a whole list of things and all conditions that you have. But I want to tell you tonight, friends, sin is the cause. Christ is the cure. He's the answer. It's the simplicity of the cross. And if we don't deal with the root problem, which is sin, and we try to dress it up in any other way and find something in the world to help us, most of the world around us are living medicated up to their head to try and live every day. Let me tell you something. When Jesus comes into your life, you're born of the Spirit of God, and he sets the prisoner free. And so we find here, God's seen his people, and they're living as slaves. And that's not the divine will or purpose of God. We see them in affliction. Do you know sin? And many will agree with us in this room. Why? Because you're looking at someone who knows a lot about sin. Knows what it is to be in bondage to sin. Knows what it is to be a slave to sin. Knows what it is to be tormented by sin. Knows what it is to be at the end of himself. Knows what it is to look into a very dark, long tunnel and say there's no way out and there's no hope. I know what that cry is. They were afflicted. That's what the Bible says. They're in agony. They're in distress. They have the hurt and the pain and the torment of their own sin. Friend, tonight if you're in this room and that's you, let me tell you something. God knows all about it. He knows all about it. And he heard their groaning. This is something, can I tell you, this is not something that's audible. Listen, a lot of people cry because they're in a mess. But friends, I want to tell you, there's not too many cry because of their sin. There's a a big difference here. I want you to listen carefully because the devil's so so deceitful. You know, there's many times when I rebelled and went into the world, many times I found myself in a situation where I cried because I was caught, where I cried because it didn't look as though we were going to get out of the mess we're in, where I cried, not in front of anyone because you wouldn't do that, because you're a big hard man, you know, when you're 20 and you're going to rule the world. But see, when you get into the car later on that night or you're hiding in some bush, you're gurning your lamps out. And so there's this awful sense of, where am I going to turn? Who am I going to turn to? What have the Peters get me? What have they get me? What have... And so you live in that sense of fear and you cry out, but you're not crying because of your sin. You understand? You're not crying because you're an alcoholic and you're a thief and you're a hood and you're running around like no and, and breaking into houses and breaking into people's property and wrecking people's lives. You're not crying because of your sin. You're crying because you're getting caught. You're crying because your friends have left you. You're crying because someone's let you down. And then you cry, but you're not crying because of your sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? Many people in the depths of despair, they cry out, oh God, just get me through this, and then I'm going to serve you. And once they get through it, they have no notion of serving God. Why? Because they've never dealt with the root problem. What's the root problem? Sin. We three-letter word. And the middle letter sums it all up. I. I am going to do it my way. I want to tell you something, friends. Our way leads to destruction and leads to a lost eternity. Oh, we're smart, aren't we? We're so smart. We think we can outwit God. You certainly may outwit this preacher. That's going to be easy. 
You may maneuver many people in this church, but let me tell you something. You'll never outwit God. See, there's an account day. There's a day where we give an account before the judgment seat of Christ. Many of you have sat in this meeting many times under the sound of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But one day, friend, and one day soon, we'll stand before the great white throne of God and we'll give an account. What did you do with Jesus? No hard men then. Friends, it's a sobering day. No one's drunk. Everyone's sober, standing face to face with the Almighty God. Jesus sitting on the great white throne. His eyes are like fire. His hair is white as wool. And all the angels around the throne. And Almighty God sitting before you. Friend, I want to tell you, we need to sober up. Time's short. We play the games with our souls. And the bondage is real. The sin is real. The agony is real. But I'm talking about a groan, not because you've been caught, not because you're fed up, but a groan in the very depths of your heart that says, God, I've had enough. I can't live like this. I can't live in this sin. I can't live in this muck. I can't live in this mess. I'm tired of myself. It's my sin that's destroyed my life. That's a groan. That God hears. That's a groan he hears. The Bible says the poor man cried. What did the Lord do? The Lord heard him. Praise the Lord. The Lord delivered him out of all his troubles. It tells us in Acts chapter 7, 34. I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people, which is in Egypt. I've heard their groanings. And I am come down, the Lord said, I've come down to deliver them. Can I tell you, friends, in this room tonight, God's come down to deliver you. God has come down to deliver you, to deliver you from your sin, to deliver you from your bondage. He's heard your groaning. He's heard your cry. He's seen your affliction. He knows your whole life. It's before him. He sees everything that you've gone through. But most of all, he loved you so much. He died on that cross 2,000 years ago. And he's come tonight by the power of his spirit to deliver you. How will you respond? See, it's crucial how we respond. You see, there's a spiritual battle in this room. Every believer, stay with me tonight because I need you. There's a spiritual battle in this room. You don't see it because it's not something that's seen with the physical eye. But there is a spiritual battle in this room. The Bible tells us about the prince of the power of the earth, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's a power. That's a spirit. That's Satan. There's a real devil. And that's who is working to deceive people even in this room tonight. That's the prince of the power of the earth. The Bible calls him the God of this world who blinds the minds of them that do not believe. There's a spiritual conflict in this room that you don't see, but it's happening. It's happening all over this room. There's a spiritual conflict in Balnehenge. It's happening as we're sitting here tonight. Jesus said, the God of this world or the prince of the power of the earth, he blinds their eyes, hardens their heart, that they should not see with their eyes or understand with their heart and be converted and I'll heal them. 
That's a power that's working right in this room tonight. And I take authority over that power in the name of Jesus Christ. Because he's blind in the minds of them that believe not. It's not a personal thing. It's a spirit that's at work. And by the blood of Jesus Christ and the authority in the name of Jesus, we bind every spirit in Jesus' name. We are not wrestling against personalities, against people, but we are wrestling against principalities and powers and the rulers of darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. And we are going to engage with those spiritual wickedness in the authority and in the name of Jesus Christ and by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must know Church of Jesus Christ, and bind the forces of hell over this church and over this town and over this land. Well, I've never heard that type of thing before. I want to tell you, you're hearing it tonight. Thank God that Jesus has destroyed the powers of hell. He's destroyed Satan at Calvary. Thank God that he rose triumphant. But friends, I want to tell you something tonight. There's a spiritual warfare and spiritual powers in this house and in Balnehinch. If Moses is going to go into a demon-possessed world with the word of the Lord to deliver his people, he must be empowered and given the authority by God to fulfill the purpose of God and to engage in that spiritual world. You understand what I'm saying? It's really serious. This is what it says. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And here's the key in this. And I want just you to listen for a second. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him. When I ask you, has God got your attention? Has God got your attention? When God seen that Moses turned, God called him. It was instantaneous. When God seen a sincere and a genuine heart, that God grasped his attention with a bush that burned but did not burn up, when God seen that Moses was interested. Tonight are you interested? Are you concerned? Are you concerned for your soul? Tells us here. That when Moses turned. I tell you friends. When you turn. God's going to call you. He's waiting on the cry. He's waiting on the turn. There must. As he stood there. Before this burning bush. God called out of the midst. And said to him, draw not nigh. Don't come near Moses. The first thing you got to do, what does he say? Put off your shoes from off your feet. For see where you're standing. This is holy ground. You see, I want to tell you something. God's a holy God. Listen, God's a holy God. God's holy. In other words, there has to be a putting off. Here's the key to salvation. Here's a critical point for a man or a woman to be saved. There has to be true repentance. That is turning away from sin. 
Oh, I got saved last week. But see, this week, I'm going to live whatever way I want. I'm going to stay in the same pigsty. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to live in the same sin. Friends, that's not repentance. True repentance when a man turns from his sin. Are you sick of your sin? On the 12th of September, 1993, let me tell you something in London, in Ealing, I was sick, sore, and tired of my sin. And I turned from my sin, and thank God, once I turned, he called me. That's the mercy of God. No repentance, no true repentance, no true new birth. And then we ask, why is it not working? How many people have you met and said, I tried that old Christian thing, doesn't really work. I want to tell you why it doesn't work. Because you never repent. You never turn from your sin. You think you can put a hand up, say a prayer, and then live the same way. Friends, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. It's changed life. So we see here, there has to be a putting off. Church tonight, just as we're coming to a close for a few minutes, we're coming to an age, the divine purpose of God is being fulfilled, and God has been divinely preparing us for the final stages of time. We are living in the very last of the last days. There has been tremendous changes in our world, unrecognizable in a generation. God has been preparing his remnant across this world, not only locally, not only nationally, not only across this island of Ireland, not not only across the nations of the world, but God has been preparing a people for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, for a mighty outpouring of His Spirit. God has been working, and the divine purpose of God is about to be revealed, and God will raise up a people for these last days. So has he got your attention? Church, has he got your attention? Is your mind in other things? Are you focused on all the earthly things? Has God got your attention? See, truly tonight, if we really want to see the purposes of God fulfilled, God's only got one way of doing it. And it's the way that's found in this book, no other way. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit through a prepared vessel. This was the pattern in Scripture. Let me talk about a town or a city in the Bible. This city was hardened. It did not believe. It was filled with evil spirits. There was a religious schools there. There was those sort of, we would call them travelers, that went about exorcists, that went around. They were trying to counterfeit everything of what the gospel was. There was one man was so possessed of the devil, leaped upon these men, stripped them of their clothes, beat them up, seven of them. There's real powers of darkness at work in this day. When Nikki and I first went to India many years ago, we were in a meeting and there was a girl, I would say she was about the size of young Anna here, sitting in the third row. She was only a wee slip of a thing, a wee young girl. She was possessed of the devil. It took six men to hold her. That's another power, but that's a real power. That's the power of darkness. In this city, there was evil spirits abounding. There was the powers of darkness. The Bible tells us there was curious arts. That means there was black magic, all types of witchcraft. Everything that was going on in this city was awful. 
There was a particular temple called the temple to Diana. She was a, a goddess, but there was the temple was filled with prostitution, every vile type of sin that you can imagine. There was men that made these idols. The city was filled with idolatry. And all around them, there was the powers of darkness. But I want to tell you, friends, God's method has always been the same. He hasn't changed. In Acts chapter 19, this city known as Ephesus, this is the pattern and this is the encounter that we need. Acts 19 and verse 1, it came to pass, listen to these words, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. The first thing he did, he found certain disciples. And this is his question. Listen carefully. Verse 2 he said, he said unto them, remember this city, it's demon-possessed, filled with religion, evil spirits, witchcraft, all types of idolatry in that city. It was filled with it. And when Paul found these disciples, this is what he said. Have ye received, what did he say? The Holy Ghost, since ye believed. Simple question. But it was the answer. They said unto him, We have not so much heard, whether there be a Holy Ghost. He said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? They said, John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance. But I say unto the people that they should believe in him, which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, listen carefully, here is a God encounter. The Holy Ghost came on them. They spake with tongues and they prophesied. And all the men were about 12. The city of Ephesus is in trouble in a good way. Why? Because the Holy Ghost came down on 12 men with the Apostle Paul. And the only hope, the only answer for that sitting was men and women full of the Holy Ghost with the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they turned that city on its head. And who would say that we need something different? Surely in this hour, we read that special miracles were brought by the hand of Paul. Handkerchiefs were placed on those that were sick and diseases departed. Evil spirits were fleeing at the power of the gospel preached. Mightly grew the word of the Lord. Why? Because men had an encounter with God and at that encounter went on to the streets of Ephesus and preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. God had come down to deliver them. Tells us here, Back in our story in Exodus chapter 3, God said, Moses, I'm going to send you in with one simple message. Here's the message. Let my people go, that they will serve me. Right at the beginning of the church age, Jesus told those disciples to tarry in an upper room until you be endued with power from on high. Heard a wonderful testimony. I'm closing in a couple of minutes. Heard a wonderful testimony. So encouraged me. Listen, there's a man that you know, he comes to the church, but he was telling me his testimony. And he was a rascal. That's what he said. I didn't call him that, just in case you mentioned that to him. But he was up to no good. He was involved in all types of sin, trouble with the police. 
everything. He was well known. Just, just, he was just up to no good. I'm not going to say any more because I misrepresent them. But he was deep in sin. His life was a mess. He had no church background. Didn't know much about God. Had been to the Church of Ireland a couple of times when he was a kid. Heard a wee bit about Jesus. But really had no time for it. His life was an absolute mess. He was up to his neck in sin. He'd been all over the world. He found himself in a police cell. And the police said to him, either you change your life or you're going to go down for a long time. The old, he said he'd been invited to a meeting down in Strabane. He says, I'm going to get saved. That's what I'm going to do. This inspector looked at him and says, you? He says, well, I would advise you to do it because the next time we see you, I think you're going to go down for a long time if you don't get saved. He left that meeting. And I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this. He left that meeting, that, that cell, went down to this wee home, this wee house meeting, knocked on the door. A woman opened the door. He says, there's a meeting on here. She says, yes, come on in. Closed the door. He wasn't getting out again. Got him into this wee Pentecostal house group in Straban. And they began to sing. Afterwards, he found out they were all discouraged because nothing was happening. And there's this man comes walking in. He needs the Lord. He said in that night, God gave him a revelation that he was a sinner, that he needed saved. And he began to cry. Tears come down his face. Tears come rolling down his face. He didn't understand what was happening. But suddenly out of his heart and out of his mouth, he said, Lord, would you save me? He didn't even know the words, but cried out. In that moment, the Holy Ghost came down and wonderfully saved him right on the spot. They continued on in praising and lifting their hands and worshiping God. He didn't know what was happening, but the tears are running down his face and his body was racked with all types of sickness. Then the Holy Spirit came upon him and said, I'm your healer. They're right on the spot. The Holy Ghost touched his body and he's standing there. He didn't know what was happening, but he knew he'd been changed by the power of God. It's not over yet. As he stand and raising his hands for over an hour as they're praising and lifting their hands to God. The Holy Ghost came upon him and baptized him. All in the one night he got the whole lot. And he began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. He'd never been in a meeting before. God, what have we sold this out for? The reality and the power of the Holy Spirit. God can save you in this meeting tonight. God can deliver you sitting on your chair tonight. God can heal your body in an instant tonight. And may God fill us all with the power of the Holy Ghost. A God encounter. God encounter. I don't know about you, but I do know about me. We need a God encounter. I do know what this church needs. It's a God encounter. If you're here in this room tonight and you're not saved, I want to tell you, friend, you need to meet this Jesus. You need to meet Jesus. He'll change your life. Not just this life, but he'll change your life forever. You can leave here changed by the power of God. Are you tired of your sin? Are you tired of your sin? Your life broken, empty, ruined? Maybe you're a religious person. You're tired of religion? Wow, you get it all in this country. Are you sick of it? What about meeting Jesus? What about drinking from the fountain? It'll never run dry. What about living waters? What about the power of a living Christ? Oh, friend, tonight, we need a God encounter. Has he got your attention? Are you willing to turn 
See, once he sees you turn, he'll call you by name. He's waiting patiently for you. Let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus.